0: Dream. From the age of big brother, brother, brother. from the age of from the, the, the Dombelis.
1: respiratory virus threats nerve tag has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant it may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant the original version of the disease You might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious. Assume you might be infectious. And that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further, and I I must level with you, level with the, the British public, Um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that, as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary infectivity of this new strain. I I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment, for sure.
2: To say, I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people.
1: Vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood! Never! I will fucking die! Fucking fighting for my fathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers!
3: everyone another day another stream i did promise to do one last night but uh what can i say the post exertional malaise after uh, trying to get my uh, my house in some semblance of order to uh provide lodgings provide lodgings to um refugees I, i'm i've become a uh a safe house for refugees it's this is the age that we live in where doctors scientists Weapons experts are, um, hounded and, um, need, uh, how should we say, um, rest, rest and, uh, recuperation. And, um, if that's, if I can help in that, then I'm more than, uh, glad to, um, <laughs> but, uh, dog, I've still got more to do, <laughs> but I got, I got most of it. I got most of it. There's, you build up so much stuff right and i don't know for people who are um starting out uh, in life with with kids um here here would be my my advice to you which is that um you will you will aggregate all manner of items that are huge be a hugely sentimental um kids drawings anything their clothes etc um but if you don't have regular clear outs then it just builds up and up and up and that was primarily what I was dealing with yesterday is just like oh artwork I I didn't want I didn't have the heart to uh clear it out previously um i just realized right well, it's uh starting to get a bit out of hand but getting into uh, crazy cat lady territory with the uh, <laughs> saving ship and um yeah my my advice would be you want to pick like a few stellar items from your kids right and you, you know look after them appropriately don't get into the trap and, and i was just like and it it pains me now, right? But there was like a little uh, puffer jacket that my, you know, they basically wear it for a a winter season. That's it, and you know it, it was barely used or anything. And you know, every time I look at it, I've got memories of him, him sort of running around in it in the snow. And um, but I I, I had to I had to um, bag it up, and uh, it went out went out to the the closed bank today, and <laughs> just it is very easy, especially if you don't have much space to just get snowed under by stuff that um, yeah you you may get uh, a little a little too sentimental and you you should be uh, be be selective would be my advice. So um, what are we going to be doing today? I will uh, <laughs> hang on. Elon is in Poland with Ben Shapiro Oive. Um, yeah look, anyone thinking that you're gonna um break away through the main corporate infrastructure uh without the uh, pernicious um arm of the ADL or uh jewish, jewish victimhood you're you're fooling yourselves. They can they got their controlling stake into everything and they can make things pretty difficult. And um they are oh well, what can I say they always always come through and you know there's been a little development. Um we'll be getting into The uh, Jew! <laughs> Jason Goodman, uh at some point. But just just to keep people up to date, Jason Goodman now his um, harassing Charles with threats of lawsuits. On what grounds? I don't know. But uh here's uh here's uh an example of how they operate. And you know we went through uh, forensically the uh, the sketchy connections of the Jew um Jason Goodman. Um he's involved uh he's got connections with um Basically, it was like Israeli Air Force. They were in Ukraine, flying drones around Chernobyl as the Maidan coup broke out. Everything about that dude is fucking sketchy as fuck. Um, it's it reeks, it reeks of um, Co Intel um, narrative control BS. And because uh, he got roughed up, I've been roughing him up on the internet over the last few days and, um, holding, <laughs> just holding his feet to the fire and, um, busting their influenza grift, uh, around SARS-CoV-2 because I've impacted his t-shirt sales and, uh, Patreons. Um, he's, uh, he's spiraling. He's kvetching. Oh, I, I. I feel his pain. <laughs> so. Um, so, I will get into that uh, not today because uh, I'm busy with uh, Daniel arriving. Um, <laughs> yes, the uh, the J button still works, and um, you know uh, we need it. we need to uh, use it when um, <laughs> these people step out of fucking line. You know, like uh, uh, frivolously attacking uh, a veteran uh, who's done more to. Uh, protect the public with respect to information that's been um, made available uh, with respect to what these organizations have been doing uh, their institutes have been doing and uh, this this is how they act and so um, I <laughs> I can't I never liked him um, and that Ritalin grimace he has all the time just uh, rubs me up the way uh, even further. Uh, let's see we've got in the chat. My um, Renegade says, Henjin is what you would call ultra-elusive, one of a kind. Uh, yep, but we've got Henjin on Overwatch, and uh, he is deadly, deadly accurate. Like, you know, Finns have a... Uh, a reputation and uh for, for their ability to reach out and touch with high velocity um lead um I had well it would have been given to me it was my father's um Seiko rifle um <laughs> my brother sold it I was <laughs> bloody furious but um it was uh very very nice uh very very nice well engineered piece of machinery uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? We go. Says all things indefensible. Well, we'll try and uh, keep it. Uh, get some tempo, some some energy, as it were. Um, let's see. Worst hoarders. One is the one who saved all his piss in milk jugs. Yeah. Um. I don't know what it is about some people. I remember when I, I had this job in Austria, and you know <laughs> we were just young, and the the job was supposed to be build and maintain like deer shooting um stands right and uh, i worked there over a number of seasons and i got close to them and the and so i would work with one of the sons of uh, uh i don't know what you what what they were called oh, i'm forgetting now but like basically it's all translated as uh forest workers and um um hunters and what have you and I would, um, I stayed with them and, uh, so anyway, one day (laughs) they were like, oh, we need your help, uh, at the main, main office. And the office was in like this old, old, um, courtyard or or, I don't know, um, castle type building that had like a courtyard and the Bundesforster, um, owned apartments in there. And there was this woman. Who was the widow of someone who was um, who'd worked for the Bundesforster all, all their life? But um, they needed us. She died in this apartment, right? And they didn't find her for a little while. And she had a bunch of dogs and cats and what have you. And they were like, "Yeah, we've got to clean this place out. We've got to gut it." But the thing is, I don't know. She she just had. This was uh, this was before internet, right? But so she just had stacks and stacks and stacks of fucking magazines and newspapers and God knows fucking what. And it was it was literally there were like little walkways between each room because everything was stacked so high with this stupid woman's shit, and um, and then everything had just got covered in piss and shit from the animals that were locked in in that house and god oh, man the stench <laughs> but, you know <laughs> being young and stupid and everything i was like oh yeah okay we did it and uh well we gutted that place out and uh <laughs> so don't be don't be like uh that cat woman when you die it, it wants to be uh how should we say feng shuied as you uh pass on to the other side uh, gastarbeiter, I, I was Gastarbeiter I I was the guest worker um, But uh, Alright um, Let's see uh, da, 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 da. Hello Coons, hope you're all feeling extra coony Public's about to break, can feel it in my plums Yeah, the, the prion issue is beginning to bleed through into the public consciousness and you know as i was saying yesterday there's um there's not much to do now right well in terms of the corporate action that's been taken and in the um i think it incumbent again uh, upon us that when when they've been talking for decades about population management um stable populations uh, below a billion etc and um, they're talking about essentially a new a new paradigm, you don't own anything, uh you'll be happy, etc. All these things I would now take as very, very um implicit threats against you. And in the context of the technology that's been used, it's um it again, it's incumbent upon everyone to understand what that molecular biology is. Means, And we can see that fingerprint and we know, we have to presume, that it's been fired into billions of people. And I would, again, make the presumption that they would only get to that move. And well, again, I explained that there's pressures with respect to um, data uh, or uh, interrogation capabilities from the public. Using emergent technologies right now that basically makes their, um, puts them on a uh, timer. And you have to think about this as a zero sum game. And in, in that zero sum game, there is a group of people, probably aided by machine learning and every, every facet of technology that they could throw at it. And if they think that their time is running out, then I think that it would force them to make a move like we saw over the last four years. Um you know the fact the fact people are still trying to argue about um whether viruses exist, etc. It's it's so bananas to me when you should be looking at what what has happened and who might be responsible and what can we say about responsibility well we saw a global um synchronization take place that enabled them to ensure that there was this mass exposure and the exposure to these um peptides would as we're learning that isn't just the neurological; it's system-wide, and I think it'll it'll depend on the individual themselves. But the um, it it will potentially attack where the organism is weakest, right? So if, imagine you've got a um, tissue, for example. Let's let's keep it simple: uh, a muscle tissue, right? And you're you're on the scale closer to developing um, sarcoma muscle-based like cancers and you get exposed via that lipid nanoparticle with these prion catalyzing epitopes and it will predispose you to cancers in that particular tissue just just as a th- hypothetical example and this problem potentially per- persists Across all these tissues, organ systems, etc., and now they've been exposed. And like I say, the the practical thing to do is um, one: organization um, around groups. Um, again, the uh, the talent stack that comes with like community groups and people that may have knowledge that you uh, you don't. I was I was reading some interesting emails earlier i mean he's he's a phd and he was actually talking about um population dynamics etc and um what what these mean um in terms of sort of exponential growth and what have you and you know these are these are um we need to we need to be looking across the board at everything and people who are still the fact that people are still whittling about what pandemic means right and this this was sort of um Well, the example I'm thinking of is uh, what happened with um, Malik and Malone. And in this instance, Robert Malone was correct, right? The the definition of pandemic is that you have a uh, a, a epidemic is a surging cases of a uh, pathogen of uh, that, that surveilled, for example, flu. And an epidemic is the emergence within one country. And you know different countries will have different thresholds for where they they'll call a pandemic, but actually the number is quite low um, uh, Pandemic just means that it's in uh two or more countries, and again, the case numbers just have to be low and so in retrospect, we can look at that and we can say well yeah that was that was um very obviously a um system weakness that could be exploited were someone so inclined to mass expose the population uh, through a highly labile tissue agnostic um, (laughs) delivery system containing genetic code encoding prion catalyzing epitopes. Now, we still don't know for sure if that epitope is catalyzing prion. The, The in vitro studies seem to point to it um uh i'm going to have a go at trying to see if we can seed it from vaccines and um recombinant spike and we're still trying to sort of feel our way through this but we're four years in and we don't have answers to those questions yet when we should have got them um very very early on and again that's um you have to ask yourself why 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 was there this institutional um, block to stop that type of research. And I'll, I'll just, I'll give an academic example of how that happened. So um, Hamström and Nystrom's paper, the 2022 publication, which showed that the spike protein contains a bunch of amyloidogenic sequences and the flanking sequences with respect to um, protease digestion by uh, neutrophil elastase were much longer than in previous um, SARS and coronaviruses, which in my mind points to a um, an, another gain of function um, manipulation in this instance every everything right now around this peptide, whether it's from the virus or whether it was from gene transfection. Anything that stands out as unusual must be treated as um, a, a potential threat actor um, in in this scenario. And you know, I I'm, I was thinking a little bit about the uh, the Substack post I was reading yesterday from uh, Doctor Hoog, I think you pronounce the name, and where she's basically um, trying to pull apart uh, Denny Rancor's um, sketchy sketchy math and publication. Um, I'm in agreement with uh, what she what she says. And um, it's there's no way that paper should pass peer review uh, in any uh, form. And, you know, as much as we're critical of the science that was Um, pushed out to try to gaslight the people into thinking that there was a market origin. We should be as um, critical of papers that would come from the other side to confirm uh, that would seem to um, lean into your own confirmation biases. And we must we must be um, very, very cognizant of that. And so right now the question that needs to be asked is are there long-term effects that come from what are these identified amyloidogenic and there's one sequence which seems to be human prion catalyzing um selective and this we do not know i don't know no one else knows and we 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 must hope that the night the hammerstrom lab um r- remains active because um when they first published, this is the point I wanted to get to, when they first published their paper about the amyloidogenic sequences, they put in their preprint, we should think very, very carefully about having this peptide translated in the vaccine technology that they were using. It, they're very impl- uh, explicit in that preprint. And it had to be removed in order to be published and, um, accepted into the, uh, academic canon. And, uh, (laughs) let's see. Uh, hello, Kevin. I know you're not an expert or a lawyer, but what does it mean when the police call you at the morning and ask you to attend the police station for a questioning or some voluntary interview? Um, it means that they wish to question you in relation to a crime and, um, by you agreeing to go to the station, um, you're basically stepping within their jurisdiction. Um, I would immediately contact a lawyer and have the lawyer deal with it and find out what it is that they want to speak to you about. Um, do not give, do not give these corporate, because that's what the police are. They're a fucking corporation as well. Um, do not give them any anything that enables them to uh basically enforce their interpretation of contractual law over you um that would be my advice um but you've broke my train of thought now with respect to um the prions and uh amyloid uh but uh, perhaps i can just um sum- summarize quickly which is um be- because we know of the uh the widespread organ and tissue toxicity which is coming out that you know this is new research and we're moving towards the premise that it's not just the peptides that have misfolded that are the problem you can have essentially what are what they're calling um cross seeding amyloidogenic peptides meaning you can have a small fragment that basically acts like a toxin in some respect that forces the change in these peptides. And, um, this is, this is the scenario in which, which we're dealing with. So, um, let's see. Um, let's see. Time to drop ship Serepates on Amazon. um, Yes, this is this is the issue with these um, enzymes that are potentially uh breaking up the spike protein. Um, you might be causing more amyloidogenic peptide sequencing to be released. And this is something um that was shown to me by so Joachim um he's working with uh, clinicians in the US and they were using essentially protocols like that. So trying to aim for um, digestion of spike protein. And what happened was there was a massive increase in amyloid beta 42. And that was taken as um, potentially a, uh, uh, well, a, a response to therapeutic intervention that you would want to try to avoid. Now, it may be the case that in trying to detox from peptide Exposure, you may have to sort of walk the fire of um, having um, those levels increase and hope that it's possible to um, break them down and um, get back to a a more stabilized baseline. We don't know at the moment, we really don't, and again, the lack of data and studies in this area four years in when we know that the amyloid was a ma- major issue very very early on um it's it's concerning and again i'm you know why why hasn't there been research in that area so you look at um what happened to uh hammerstrom's lab where they're forced they're forcing scientists and domain experts to change to comply with what the uh, the corporate whatever that entity is on the other side that's using corporations to attack uh, the individual um how they have a grip on not just institutions but a, a prime example will be um Dr Nagase when um he's here i will uh, we'll we'll do a stream and i'll just have him explain the lengths to which the state has hounded him and essentially tried to crush his descent. and this um this is a a problem that's going to permeate every institution and lab and it's going to be left to uh the private individuals it, it's the same as the uh, the plasmid contamination um I'm sure I'm sure were things working as, God, as they should? I oh, don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, now I don't know how much uh, we were just <laughs> we were just playing uh, charades prior to this pandemic. But it took someone like Kevin McKernan to actually do that analysis. And even then, he was hounded. And it wasn't until um, Professor Buckholz stepped in and said, "Yes, we find the same." Now, what's the risk? from that material again no one knows and we can make hypothetical predictions but um but until we until the uh, the the experiments have been done to quantify it we're essentially having to um second guess everything and you know you try to make the data as um accessible as possible. You try to read as wide as possible, but that's the situation, um, in which we find ourselves. And, um, we're, well, there's very few people actually trying to step up to the plate and do this stuff. And, um, you know, we should be thankful for people like Kevin. I hope, um, you you know, well, I hope I see nothing in these experiments. I want to be wrong about what that molecular biology implies, and what they've done in terms of exposure to people, I, I'm, I'm. There's nothing. There's nothing in this, to me, that um. Says this. Is, this is a. This is a. <laughs> we can just carry on as normal. You can do a coup. Here, put your head in the sand and and think that um, viruses don't exist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, this is um. Uh, says, uh, yeah, the woman was, um, uh, partly, uh, devoured somewhat, <laughs> just, just as an aside. But the, um, uh, let's see, Fritard says, when they started attacking Buckholz, they really give away their hand. Now he's stuck in this weird purgatory of tweets with concern to telling everyone not to worry. Yeah, but that's, that's the, um, the power of these institutions, and it's very difficult to step outside of that. Um, that the only reason that I'm doing this is just that I was I think in the wrong place at the wrong time now. So I'm um, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck with it, and now I feel uh, an obligation to keep reading through this data to try to understand um, the problem, and you know. People, people in those jobs, are, they're just human beings, man. And they're subject to all manner of pressures. And if the if the head of the department says you've stepped out of line, uh, you better watch yourself. Most people are going to be watching themselves and uh, not not um, trying to upset their apple cart too much. And. It's a it's a sad situation to be in. Um, you would have to presume that if we're in a situation where it was um, a pre-planned attempt to cause this mass exposure to these um, to these epitopes, then um, have got they've got tight reins on everything and everyone, and it takes a lot for people to step out the uh, the system in that respect. And, um, you know, it, it, it beats people down, okay? Um, and <laughs> the nerd class isn't known for fighting back. Yeah, they tend to have sort of spur fests between each other, but in terms of um, really standing up, not so much. And it's i don't I, know it's sad i don't know if i would have done any different were i still wrapped up with institutions and you know and, and you're not tenured um i like to think i would um but i don't know this is the result preons for everybody because they have pictures of you at that one dinner with questionably aged females yeah and again, look how much of the apex of our sciences have been compromised. That Don't forget that, right? And, oh, that you know, they've let uh, the fact that Stephen Hawking was uh, whatever, there on the island and taking flights. But uh, it wasn't just him, right? They'll put Hawking's name out because he's dead and he's kind of a... Um, low cow with respect to his condition and his, um, robot voice. Um, but there were many, many scientists and institutions compromised. And that is why they will not speak up. They've got the money hold over them and they just have to pull and yank on that before uh, people, people will heal straight away. Like dogs. Uh, let's see blind faith in institutions is nothing more than vanity um stupidity, I would say <laughs> uh, Freetard says you already had your scars from giving well, it was fifty quid, not twenty quid. the right wingers on the Muslim shit. you don't carry scars like that and not know when you're about to get fucked again, yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> and they're doing the same again with people who have spoken out in the u k and it's it's hilarious, um what's his name professor Dalgleish. because he's he wasn't he was associated with uh oh what are they called Farage's party uh, I, can't, I forget now, but nigel farage it's not um it's pretty milk toast politics, and they're using that as a battering ram to to shut these people up. And you know I'm fully cognizant of how this how that system works um I'm not frightened of it, but I understand why people would be um reluctant to step into the fight in this instance, and you know even even really tough hard bastards um it grinds them i mean look Charles for example has you know he's he was leading the charge all the way, but to what cost? Charles Charles is now um, on multi multi drug therapy to control blood pressure, and you know that may be we don't really know the cause of that. He takes a lot of boxes for long COVID. We don't know whether it's come from um, viral exposure or um, the vaccine. Um, probably a combination of the two. Um, but it's it's tough on him that's a trained marine um (laughs) and you want you want curvy spined specky-eyed academics to be stepping into that debate debate there'll be very few and far between i'm afraid um what the space will be filled with is um toss pots like this uh, crowdsource the truth, and uh, they'll be just trying to control. And uh, this cunt is engaging in frivolous, frivolous lawfare uh, threats against Charles. <laughs> 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 Fucking tosser. Um, and so you know why? Why would people? You know, if we've if we've all been subject to the, uh, the assault, right? You know. Most people are just gonna uh, carry on, keep their head down. Hope they can uh, hope they can afford uh, a week at Butlins and uh, <laughs> for the summer. Um Charles was vaxxed. Charles was vaxxed twice, I wanna say. And, you know, he got ill when he came to stay with me. And he um it hit him quite hard and we had we had literally everything to hand that people would say this is what you need to treat and get through etc and we had it all and um it still did a number on him and now he's in and out of hospital and it's only it's only my shut-in lifestyle and uh, the fact that all i all i do is shuffle up and down the stairs that's probably probably keeping me uh, around. Uh, let's see. Uh, Your luck, Shlomo says. I have a question regarding academic journals. Do peer reviewers look at affiliation, or is the content of a manuscript more important? Uh, you would hope that the content of the manuscript is more important, but um, yes, they look at affiliation very much. So that that's usually what um, the first round of editors and selectors do as papers arrive. Um, they'll see who's on it and if it's. Uh, Joe blogs from um wherever um you know with a with a um residential address it won't get through even though it might be um the next best thing since uh, whatever, the <laughs> touring of uh, pick your uh, academic of choice. Um, it's that vape that's blocking your nicotine receptors. Yes, the vape is part of my daily health regimen to uh, keep those keep those uh, <laughs> cholinergic uh, toxins at bay. Uh, UK Independence Party. Was it? Yes, it was UKIP. Yes, that was Nigel Farage, UKIP. Right. Uh butlins. That's been emptied as being filled up with migrants now. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh let's see. It wasn't just institutional. He got mobbed by terrified people online in real life. Uh you're talking about Philip Buckholtz? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um look. Most a lot of people were forced into um that exposure. And of course they they'd freak out. And a lot of people don't know. Uh, what or how to deal with it, yeah. and um, the problem with the states is you've got too many spurs like uh, like Goodman here on the screen. Um, all right, so um, I haven't I haven't got much new stuff to do because I wanted to. I think this. Um, pre on paper about distribution in the periphery is an important one. It's relatively up to date. And again, you know, what's the real world example that we can potentially look at? BSE was a long time ago. It's under control. But we essentially have a wild <sighs> wild type is probably not that, but we have a we have an example, real world example in Um, chronic wasting disease in deer and we can see it's spread um, across uh, multiple states Um, it's essentially an exponential spread and um, we we've been picking apart how how that transfer of prions could take place because if we were to just be or use our understanding that came from the BSE outbreak in the UK. It was thought that generally you had to consume the uh, the transmissible um, prion protein in order for it to um, spread, and consuming the neural tissue, brain, spinal cord, etc., was um, how, how these... Uh, Agents were spread we're, like I said, we know a lot more now. We know that there are short, short chained um, amino acids that are catalyzing for these uh, prion proteins, the prion proteins themselves, then are able to disseminate through uh, tissues and um, body fluids. And um, it's in this context that uh, we now have to operate and again i don't think it's not a uh just surrender it's it it means being proactive and again trying to keep on top of the data hope hope that worst case scenario is not a um uh has not been achieved maybe maybe they tried to do it but um let's hope that they've failed but in order we need to understand all the um, potential attack vectors that may be at play right now, so um let's just i'll do that housekeeping real quick if you wandered in here, wondering why i'm prattling on uh, that's me a renegade scientist now i'd to go again um I need to change the where i'm located at but eh, can't be asked um you you can go to researchgate and uh find all my uh, all my work in the orthodox system where i was building out i was building out the technology to imprison you in their in their new <laughs> the new digital panopticon um so yeah i'm i'm kind of glad that didn't happen um what i would humbly ask is that um you bookmark dot com if you find the information that i relay useful entertaining i tried to make the stream entertaining for folks and uh eh, you may not like my jokes but uh i think it's funnier than uh saturday night live and uh it's <laughs> it's me it's me and uh, my humor and no one else can tell me what to do with it. So uh, please uh, that blue button behind my head, if you uh, would like to hit that and uh, donate using your usury cards or paypal you can become a patron. If you like uh, buy me a coffee, subscribe star crypto discord uh, gilded. Um, well, discord is the main one um, you can register to be notified. And of course, when I'm live, you can watch the stream on there. Um, no logging in or anything in fact you don't need to log in um should you go uh so part of the attempt to um deal with the current well i i'm not sure the impasse is the right word but um the (laughs) the minefield that we have been potentially shoved into by uh these um individuals uh we talk you listen com or WTYL.live. live um, you can go there you can watch the stream um, you can sign up and upload uh, videos etc you can stream if you want to and um, we're using this as a as a way to archive uh, information that we've uh, that's becoming harder and harder to um I say aggregate, but it's, with, it's a hyper complex area. And, um, this, this is our attempt to get past it. Um, funny as OG Saturday night live 70s. Well, uh, that's a compliment I'll take. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Is this paper we're going to hike okay, a case report of fatal familial insomnia, cerebral spinal fluid, leukocytosis during the COVID-19 epidemic and review of the literature. Oh no. No, this is a look at, so let's, let's get to the paper. It is wide distribution of prion infectivity in peripheral tissues of variant and sporadic CJD patients. Now, why, why look at what is essentially, or well, supposedly a different condition to SARS-CoV-2? Well, um, we've got the data from Luc Montagnier, Jean-Claude Perez, where they noticed a very significant uptie, uptick in uh, rapid onset felt Yakov disease. And so the molecular biology around SARS it indicates that there potentially may be a triggering factor that could shunt you towards um, this state. And I'm, I, I would say we don't know enough about... The impact of misfolded peptides on other systems. You you see some work around cancer. Um, I did the paper about um, prions and amyloids being formed in translation steps, etc., and um, cancer not being um, just a, a consequence of genomic mutation. And generally, oh, oh, there's a whole slew of um, potential pathologies that could be emerging from this, um, proteinopathy catalytic, um, response. Now, uh, Armando was asking, why could you just explain, um, how, how SARS could be related to prions? So I thought I'd bring up, uh, this slide, um, I use, uh, it's from, uh, Trends in molecular medicine, and um, from Trujacos et al. And this is in the case of vaccines. Um, If the peptide, uh, the epitope, is maintaining functionality in other variants, um, it's essentially they're comparable in terms of how how the epitope, meaning the short chain of amino acids could be being released intracellularly or extracellularly to cause um, a protein misfolding cascade. And um, the important part to notice is the parts that have red uh, red circles around them. And what happens is, is as the translation process occurs, the body um, makes the uh, the spike protein for the virus. And in doing so, it's a case of just stitching together from your amino acid pool, the structure that forms up the trimer that is the spike protein. And that process, once once the um, the production is done at the ribosomal level, the peptide will get packaged up it'll be put into um, exosomes and trafficked. So spike protein will be on exosomes. But also um, what I would like to draw your attention to is here where it says peptide fragment. And it's these peptide fragments which are of concern because when the um, spike protein Well, the spike protein itself is capable of being cleaved by a number of different enzymes. But let's just think about what happens in the case of um, viral infection. The spike protein comes in, it binds to the ACE2 receptor. It then gets cut by enzymes, in this case, furin. Most people are familiar with that now. And what that does is it breaks off the S1 segment, and I don't know, but maybe um, I had a video of uh, the peptide dynamics during uh, infection. I'm trying to remember if it shows uh, how, the, how the S1 segment is um, broken off uh, ba, 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 ba. did anyone listen to the Biosafety now talk by any chance um i don't suppose charles was given an invite to that to talk about uh diffuse and synthetic origins um probably not um anyway what was i looking for i wanted this this Just uh just bear with me. i'm just gonna have a quick smoke break fake break whilst i whilst I look for this um,
0: no, no.
3: many bookmarks. Uh, no, no. Ah, right. This this might be it. life cycle of SARS-CoV-2
2: no sound in our airways the air we breathe comes into contact with a mixture of different types of healthy respiratory cells some respiratory cells have cilia hair-like structures that move the mucus along These ciliated cells in our airways are the main target for the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. The virus itself is deceptively simple. It only consists of a few parts, but together these parts create a highly effective virus. It has an outer membrane with three types of proteins on it. Spike, envelope and membrane proteins. Inside the virus, an assembly of nucleocapsid proteins hold together its genetic material, a single strand of viral RNA. The spike protein is responsible for making contact with the host cell and starting the infection. It's glycosylated, meaning it has a coat of sugars that hides it from the body's immune system. Many of the variants of SARS-CoV-2 are characterized by mutations on this spike protein that can influence its function some making the virus more infectious. Many of these mutations are unique to each variant, but some, like D416G, are found on each of the variants of concern. When the virus closes in on a host cell, its spike proteins open up and bind to a receptor on the host cell, called ACE2. After the spike protein makes contact, furin cuts off the outer part of the spike protein, called the S1 domain. Yeah, and that's the part that we're interested in. It's that
3: enzymatically cleaved release of that S1 peptide, which is potentially the real, real, real nasty weapon here, because it's that segment that contains the amino acids responsible for catalyzing human prion protein into the scrapey form. And as you see here, as it comes into contact with the receptor, they're cleaved off and basically go um <laughs> into the extracellular matrix and they'll get taken up by um immune cells. Um they'll be trafficked around the body. And also it's likely that the same thing happens um within the cell as well. There may there may be cleavage of spike protein or single um copies of the S1 segment being produced either through exposure to the virus or to the vaccine. We have to consider them synonymous, meaning the same in their functionality. But this is a nice illustration of this potential um, attack vector, if we think about that. These, These then float around. They come into contact with the prion protein itself, and because of just the structure of the prion protein, its native conformation, it's susceptible to the uh, the catalyzing epitope, meaning that short strand comes into contact with the, uh, the membrane-bound prion protein, causes it to misfold, and then you don't need that S1 segment anymore, the prion protein itself then becomes the, uh, the disease-causing agent, and that causes these cascades. And the problem being with prion protein is it's very difficult to, um, to get rid of, and as we're going to find out, it's, um, it will spread to multiple tissues, and that's the question we're trying to ask is, how much is shedding a problem? and we looked uh, previously at um, how prions can be taken up by plant roots and transferred to the leaves so that deer eat the leaves and become um, infected as well. That's part of the infective cycle in the wild with chronic wasting disease. Um, how long is left of this? I might I might just let this play... Um, Whilst I, I use, I take a quick break before doing the paper. How oh, long have I been streaming? Yeah, is that just over an hour? So um, yeah, I'll just play this whilst I dip out for a second.
2: This frees the inner core of the spike protein, called the S2 domain, which is cut by tmprss 2 The spike protein then unfolds and anchors into the host cell membrane pulling the virus closer until the cell membrane and the viral membrane fuse, allowing the viral genome to enter the host cell. Inside the cell, a ribosome meets the viral RNA and starts to translate its genetic code. The result is a long protein chain containing non-structural proteins or NSPs. Initially, these NSPs are all attached to one another, but some of the NSPs are able to cut the chain. NSP3 is the first one that can cleave its neighbours. It cuts and releases the first NSP, which is able to grab onto a ribosome and occupy it in such a way that the ribosome can only read viral RNA and not the host cell's own mRNA. This means that the virus takes over the cell's translation machinery turning the host cell into a virus-building factory. Meanwhile, NSP3 cuts other neighbours before it cuts and frees itself. Eventually, the production of NSP stops because there's a pseudo-knot in the viral RNA. This prevents the remaining RNA, which codes for proteins involved in viral genome replication, from passing through the ribosome. By now, a second cutting NSP has been made, which cuts itself and its neighbors. The translation can either stop here or the pseudonaut in the viral RNA can slip, allowing the remaining viral RNA to be read. The second cutting NSP is now able to cut all of the remaining proteins. Because of the pseudonaut, the translation of the viral RNA often stops prematurely. As a result, The host cell produces fewer of the RNA-processing NSPs from beyond the knot than the various membrane-modifying NSPs from before the pseudonot. The three NSPs that are embedded into the endoplasmic reticulum membrane cause it to curve. This disrupts the sheet-like shape of the ER and creates a structure called a double-membrane vesicle, or DMV. These DMVs create a safe, enclosed environment for the viral genome to be copied. Inside the DMV, the newly created NSPs will become the machinery to create new viral RNA. Firstly, a complementary strand is made to act as a reference. This reference then becomes a template for a new strand identical to the original viral genome. In addition to the full-length viral genome, a set of shorter RNA strands is also created. These shorter strands are called subgenomic mRNA, and will be processed by the host cell to create the proteins that go onto the new viral particle. The subgenomic mRNA exits into the cytosol through an NSP pore in the DMV. After exiting, it makes its way back to a ribosome and is translated to make the main proteins that will constitute the new SARS-CoV-2 viral particle: the spike, membrane, envelope, and nucleocapsid proteins. The newly created nuclear capsid protein sits right by the DMV pore, ready to grab onto the viral genome RNA as it exits the DMV. The nuclear capsid protein then begins packaging the RNA into what will become the contents of the new viral particles. After the spike, envelope and membrane proteins have been made on the ER membrane, they go to a different membrane compartment called the ERGIC. On the ERGIC, the membrane proteins are able to catch the nuclear capsid proteins and viral genome. This makes the membrane bend inwards and a new viral particle eventually buds. When the membrane compartment containing the viral particles fuses with the outer cell membrane, the viral particles are then released from the cell. But that's only the first wave of SARS-CoV-2 particles that will be expelled. Eventually, the host cell produces so many viral particles that it dies and releases a whole wave of new virus particles into the surrounding tissue, ready to spread and infect nearby cells. This completes the life cycle of a single SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus.
3: I was just saying it's uh, it's you know it's a fancy animation but you know there's how should we say artistic license made with um such animations it's done of course on uh our sort of best um knowledge but do we know everything and is everything um so you know as as depicted Well, yeah, yeah. Um, that's up for debate but um we only um we have to go with uh best science and as Um, As much as there's holes in our understanding of the viral cycle, there's holes in our knowledge with respect to prions. And I mentioned earlier that um, in the BSE outbreak, it was considered that the brain and spinal cord were the only problem and you could uh, the meat would be fine, etc. And um, but. It's it's more complex than that. So let's let's have a read of this paper. So wide distribution of prion infectivity in peripheral tissues of vCJD and sCJD patients. So sporadic Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease is the commonest human prion disease occurring most likely as the consequence of spontaneous formation of abnormal prion protein in the central nervous system. Variant creutzfeldt yakov disease is an acquired prion disease that was first identified in 1996. In marked contrast to VCJD, the previous investigations of sporadic revealed either inconsistent levels or an absence of the scrapie prion in peripheral tissues. These findings contributed to the consensus that risks of transmitting SCJD as a consequence of non-CNS invasive clinical procedures were low. In this study, we systematically measured prion infectivity levels in CNS and peripheral tissues collected from VCJD and SCJD patients. Unexpectedly, prion infectivity was detected in a wide variety of peripheral tissues in sporadic CJD cases, although the SCJD SCJD infectivity levels varied unpredictably in the tissue sampled and between patients. These findings could impact on our perception of the possible transmission risks associated with SCJD. So Transmissible spongiform encephalopathies or prion diseases are fatal neurodegenerative disorders that affect a large spectrum of mammalian species. The fundamental event in prion propagation is the conversion of the normal cellular prion protein into an abnormal disease-associated isoform in the brain and other tissues of infected individuals. PRPC is completely degraded by digestion with proteinase K whereas the scrapie is n terminally truncated resulted in a uh, proteinase K resistance core termed PRP res all right big boy um yeah, you can clear all that take it downstairs for and and that oh. No, daddy's drinking um In humans, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease is a low-incidence disease, approximately one case per million population per year. Not if you're in France anymore after uh, exposure to uh, (laughs) Pfizer. That occurs most often as either a sporadic or familial genetic form. Whereas familial disease forms are linked to pathogenic mutations in the human prion protein gene, no clear epidemiological risk factors have been identified for sporadic disease forms. I think that's going to change radically as the impact of viral epitopes um, comes into the picture. It's only just, it's only just emerging. What do we know? Some peptide on H1N1 does it, and the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 does it. That's the only two viruses that we know that have this property so far. Will there be more? Potentially. In the absence of identifiable external sources that might explain SCJD occurrence, it is currently assumed that this disease is triggered by the spontaneous and stochastic formation of a misfolded PRP nucleus in the brain of the affected individual. This original nucleus is considered to recruit and convert fresh PRPC into the scrapie form, leading to the progressive spread and propagation of prions in the brain of the diseased patients. In familial CJD cases, PRMP mutations foster the formation of the initial misfolded PRP nucleus, leading to an increased probability of development of the disease. In SCJD, two major brain uh, PRP res isoforms have been described by Western Block, in type 1 PRP resistance, the apparent molecular weight of the unglycosylated fragment is 21 daltons, while in type 2 it is 19 kilodaltons. Sporadic CJD is not a uniform disorder in terms of its clinical and neuropathological phenotypes and is subclassified into, the, according to the polymorphism at codon 129 of the PRMP sequence, methionine, valine, and to the electromobility of the PK-resistant core of the abnormal PRP uh, resistance type 1 or type 2. And you know, re- remember that the archaeogenomics points to codon one two nine as being the um, the fingerprint of perhaps a super prion event um, in in our past, which is why um, why we see the distribution of polymorphisms that we do at the moment. So uh, the experimental transmission of SCJD tissue isolates in transgenic mice express human PRP, has confirmed that SCJD is associated with a several prion strains that vary in their biological and biochemical properties. Although the complete spectrum of SCJD-associated prion strain remains unknown, there is now significant evidence that the two most frequent char- character- Sorry, categories of sporadic CJD, uh, methionine, 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 valine type 1, and methionine, valine, valine, valine type 2, are predominantly caused by two distinct prion strains named M1 CJD and V2 CJD, respectively. In 1996, a new form of CJD named variant Kreutzfeldt-Jakob was identified in humans. Variant Kreutzfeldt-Jakob was demonstrated to be caused by the prion strain responsible for bovine spongiform encephalopathy in cattle, which is distinct from any of the identified SCJD prion strains. Following the emergence of VCJD, it was established that in both affected and asymptomatic patients, the VCJD agent accumulated in a large variety of peripheral tissues including lymphoid organs and blood. On the basis of these findings, the risk of VCJD transmission by surgical and medical procedures has been considered as serious, a serious by international health authorities, leading to the implementation of systemic preventative measures aiming at limiting the risk of iatrogenic VCJD transmission. Well... We've thrown that all out the window in the last few years. In marked contrast with VCJD, previous investigations carried out in sporadic CJD patients revealed either low or inconsistent levels or an absence of detectable scrapie prion in peripheral tissues. These findings led to the general consensus that the risk of transmitting sporadic CJD in the framework of a non-central nervous system invasive clinical procedure was low. Recently, bioassays in transgenic mice that express human PRP gene and display a high sensitivity to sporadic CJD demonstrated the presence of prion infectivity in the plasma and bone marrow of several SCJD patients. These results raise questions about the overall distribution of prion infectivity and transmission risks associated with other peripheral tissues from SCJD patients. In this study, we measured the prion infectivity levels in a panel of tissues collected from VCJD and SCJD MM1 cases. These bioassays demonstrated that, as expected, consistent titers of infectivity were present in lymphoid tissues from variant CJD patients. However, for non-lymphoid peripheral tissue studied, variable and lower titers of infectivity were detected in both SCJD and VCJD patients. These findings could impact our perception of the possible transmission risks associated with SCJD involving non-CNS invasive procedures. Basically, saying that um, what was considered a well, um, if you if you if you were diagnosed as having um, CJD. Uh, there was a whole bunch of measures that had to be taken with respect to how they would deal with you medically, etc., the risks on um, how you would uh, deal with tissue instruments, etc., um, that have been used for this type of surgery or, or surgical interventions in these patients. And the um, the premise they're getting at here is that, wait, it may be worse than uh, initially thought because there's detectable levels and what we've learned from prions is that they require um, very little in terms of um, having an infective dose. So, uh, uh, we'll maybe skip over the method somewhat. So they used mice in this and... Let's see, Uh, human tissue samples were obtained from National CJD Research and Surveillance Tissue Brain and Tissue Bank in Edinburgh, UK, which is part of the Edinburgh Brain and Tissue Bank the purpose of this study samples were pseudo anonymized using a brain bank reference number okay tissues from four clinical vcjd cases referred to in this study as vcjd to vcjd4 and one asymptomatic variant cjd infected individual who received a transfusion of packed red blood cells from a donor who subsequently died from vcjd hmm interesting uh the VCJD cases were homozygous for methionine, a codon 129, while the asymptoma- asymptomatic case was heterozygous, methionine, valine, position 129. Similarly, tissues from five SCJD cases were investigated. Cases were selected on the basis of their genotype, a codon 129, their PRP... Uh, resistant western blot profile and availability of peripheral tissue samples. Tissues from one non-CJD case were used as control. The autopsies were performed in various hospitals across the UK with appropriate facilities for cases of suspected CJD. Uh, For this group, the median post-mortem interval was 48 hours. Um, Basic demographic and medical history details for V, CJD and SCJD Control cases in ta- table one. Okay. Tissue samples. Yeah, that's just um, how they were handled. Mouse bioassays. Uh, so bioassays were carried out using mice expressing bovine PRP and human PRP methionine, respectively. Um, TG Met and TG bovine. So TG just refers to transgenic in this instance, and Met methionine. I think that would be and transgenic bovine mice expressed approximately fourfold and eightfold more pap sorry prp compared to that seen in normal human and cattle brain tissue these two models were already used to measure prion infectivity in variant and sporadic cjd mm1 tissues in previous studies uh, tissues from non cjd control cases were inoculated in both tg bfv and tg 340 mice Mm-mm-mm. It's interesting just to read how they were inoculating here. So groups of 6 to 10-week-old female mice uh, were inoculated with 20 microliters of a 10% tissue homogenate in the right parietal lobe using a 25-gauge disposable hypodermic needle. Mice were observed daily and their neurological status was assessed weekly. When clinically progressive TSE disease was evident, the animals were euthanized and their brains harvested. Half of the brain from those animals that had displayed TSE clinical signs, yeah, fixed in I'm interested in this actually, four mole saline and the other half was frozen at minus twenty degrees C. Tissues from animals found dead, were <laughs> frozen. No formalin fixation was performed. In animals where no clinical signs were observed, mice were killed at the end of their natural lifespan. In those cases, survival times reported in the table as greater than six hundred and fifty days post-infection. Seven fifty infectious prion titer estimates. The infectious titer in reference ten percent weight per volume frontal cortex homogenate from clinical VCJD case and SCG SCG. CJD cases were established by endpoint titration, uh, intracerebral route in the transgenic mice. The infectious titer LD fifty per gram IC in corresponding mice lines were estimated by the Spearman carbon method. The titer of prion infectivity in VCJD and SCJD case samples were estimated using the method developed by Arnold. So um, PK resistant. Yeah, just done by Western Blot, vacuole lesion profiles, so uh, hematoxylin and eosin-stained paraffin-embedded brain tissue sections used to establish standardized vacuolar lesion profiles in mice as previously described. So results. So variant CJD transmission. Four clinical variant CJD cases, MET-129 homozygous and one asymptomatic variant CJD case were selected on the basis of their clinico pathological features, and PRP-resistant western blot profile in the brain. A panel of frozen tissues that included CNS, frontal cortex, and 14 different peripheral tissues, such as primary and secondary lymphoid tissues, endocrine and exocrine glands, gonads, kidney, lung, liver, heart, and skeletal muscles from each of these five cases was constituted. constituted. (coughs) Excuse me. Each sample, 10% tissue homogenates, was inoculated by the intracerebral route to bivine PRP expressing mice. A bioassay model identified in previous studies as a sensitive and robust approach for the detection and quantification of VCJD infectivity. Um, Let's see, I might do... Oh, you know what? I wanted to... (laughs) This is something I wanted to... Let me bring this down here and put this here... Um, sorry for disrupting the flow. Um, I want to take a look at this um, sub-stack at some point. A rational analysis of the new lethal brain virus experiments reveal unseen inconsistencies as well as substantial covert bio-risk implications. And apparently this goes into prions. Um, so I want to put that on my uh, schedule to do. Um, I'm just... Well, they're basically looking at tables right now, so we don't need to uh, switch over. But um, in all four VCJD affected patients, the inoculation of frontal cortex homogenate resulted in a hundred percent attack rate disease transmission. Only five out of the fifty-four peripheral tissues samples failed to transmit disease in the transgenic bovine. Each of the 14 different categories of peripheral tissues caused, at variable extent, occurrence of clinical TSE in transgenic bovine. Based on these transmission results, positive versus absence of transmission, the pattern of variant CJD infectivity in peripheral tissues was relatively similar across the four variant CJD patients. No TSE clinical signs or PRP res accumulation in the brain was observed for transgenic bovine inoculated with frontal cortex from the asymptomatic variant CJD case. Uh, It lived longer than 650 days. Eight out of the 13 inoculated categories of peripheral tissue transmitted a disease lymphoid organs, lung, heart, pancreas, and thyroid in TG bovine, which indicated a more restricted distribution of the prion infectivity in the organs of asymptomatic methionine valine patient than in clinically affected meth meth, uh, or methionine variant CJD. Now, what does that say to me is that in this particular instance, the um prion infectivity had um, so lymphoid organs, lung, heart, pancreas, and thyroid were all infective, meaning that there was systemic spread, but it hadn't um, it in this instance, whether the polymorphism is providing protection or not but um what what you should take from this is that there can be systemic spread of these prions that's the important part. And that this is what I think is going to play into the emergence of these um, the, the disorders like cancers, um, microclots, cardiac issues, etc., etc. at the systemic level. Again, there's many, many attack vector routes that have to be taken into account. But um, in this instance, in the variant CJD, where um, the... the disease process somehow has got initiated. And so we have to presume because it's variant CJD that, oh no, it was a blood transfusion. So in this case, yeah, it didn't have to go through the gut. and So via blood transfusion, it's gone and um, set itself into all these organs. And that's kind of interesting because um, that's a case where the prion was put past the immune barrier, which is exactly what has happened in theory, with respect to the prion-catalyzing epitope with gene transfection. So you've got highly labile delivery vector, and it's gone and studied itself in all these tissues and the disease process. And so by taking those tissues, putting it into the bioassay mouse, they've then caused that mouse to develop um, disease symptoms. But interestingly, the brain was not affected in this instance. Um, let's see. Um, is chat working? Am I, am I streaming still? I see the chat, uh, kind of stuck. Uh, Johnny says, Here, you can have of course, Johnny, you can have a. Course, Johnson, you can have a... <laughs> you? Um, let's see. I'm streaming, right? Yeah, it says, it says I'm live. Okay. Um, B-b-b-b-b-b-b- very good vid is is the chat working yes okay um so The PRP resistive western blot profile and vacuolar lesion profiles observed in mice inoculated with peripheral tissues from both clinical VCJD and asymptomatic patients were identical to those observed in transgenic bovine mice inoculated with the brain of variant CJD-affected patients. No transmission was observed in TG transgenic bovine mice that received frontal cortex and peripheral tissue homogenates from a control patient. Right. so you know as as best as we can tell with respect to I mean, we just have to make the presumptions that this laboratory knows what they're doing and they're getting um definitive and you know they're talking 100% attack rates depending on the tissue that they've used and they're able to um differentiate um this uh, the resistive um peptide core and um here we can see uh vcjd case um, tg bovine and then uh, you, you just get those um you put the peptide in you um distribute it via its molecular weight and um you look for the signature signal um for the um the catalyzing uh, prion seed So let's let's just read through the legend here. So abnormal PRP and vacuolar lesions profiles in Tg bovine mice. Transgenic mice expressing bovine PRP were inoculated with tissues, 10% weight per volume homogenous from four yeah we know all this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Table one. Mice were euthanized when they showed clinical signs of infection or at the end of their natural lifespan and the brains were systematically connected collected western blot and prp res uh, immunodetection in the brain of TG Bob mice inoculated with the tissue homogenates a from case vcjd1 non-control western blots were performed using sha one monoclonal antibody on each gel a scrapie in sheep isolate i'm not sure what that means wb count and a vcjd reference isolate were used as control Vascular vacuolar lesion profiles in the mice of transgenic bovine mice inoculated with C frontal cortex. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what G1 is referring to here, but the, the these graphs are some measure of um, spongy form presentation. And let's see, if I'm, I'm trying to find what the G means here. In each gel a scrapie and shit, we did that. C, 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 where did C go? Vacuolar lesion profiles in the mice of TG-Belf mice were inoculated with C, frontal cortex. Um, empty circle, inverted triangle. Okay. Okay, so it's kind of overlapped. It's kind of a messy presentation for what they're doing here, but... Um, Okay lesion profiles were established in transgenic bovine mice that were scored PRP res positive by western blot inoculation with the variant CJD oh yes case cervical lymph node lung empty triangle yeah okay okay so it's g and there it is uh, gray matter areas 1 to 9 that's that's um what it's referring to okay and w is white matter areas and um we don't know specifically what the the grey matter regions are from. They said parietal cortex, uh, I want to say, um, following the standard method described by Fraser and Dickinson. So we'd have to go to that paper to um, see the classification they've used. I'm not doing that now. So um, sporadic CJD transmission. Five SCGD, SCJD patients were selected on the basis of their clinical pathological features, genotype at codon 129 of the PRMP gene uh, and PRP res western blot type profile in the brain of MM1. This is the commonest subtype of sporadic CJD. A panel of 15 peripheral tissues collected from MM1 SCJD patients was constituted. This panel matched the one investigated invariant CJD-affected patients. Each sample, 10% tissue homogenates, was inoculated by the intracerebral route to methionine human PRP-expressing mice, a mouse model that we already used to detect and quantify prion infectivity in MM1 SCJD patients. The inoculation of 10% frontal cortex homogenates from the SCJD MM1 patients in transgenic methionine uh intracerebral route six mice twenty microliters per mouth you know um twenty microliters is a large volume um in my mind uh the so for me to modulate neural circuits with um drugs gaba um Antagonists mm, i would tr- you know I would try to get effects in the sort of three to five microliter range, and that's in a monkey brain, so twenty microliters here seems mm. <laughs> it seems a lot to me um I mean it gives me an indication of how much um vaccine we should put in the brain but um it it seems uh it's certainly a significant amount for sure all right so i guess the figures are the same and they're looking at the um lesion areas for the different categories or anatomical locations of the gray matter that they've pulled out and obviously they see different um different Lesions per area and the different tissue types that they've used are causing, they seem to track with one another with respect to the um, lesions. And that's basically what they say. Similar lesion profiles were established in the transgenic methionine mice that were scored res positive. Okay, so unexpectedly, in the majority of the cases, the inoculation of transgenic methionine of the peripheral tissues from the same MM1 SCGD patients resulted in positive transmission. Transgenic methionine inoculation revealed the presence of prion infectivity in all the different categories of peripheral tissues, except liver and gonads. However, in contrast with variant CJD, the bioassay results positive versus absence of transmission indicated that the prion infectivity distribution pattern peripheral tissues strongly differed between the five affected MM1 SCJD patients. For instance, in SCJD case 2, positive transmissions were observed in transgenic methionine inoculated with 10 out of the 13 tested peripheral tissues, including lymphoid tissues, salivary glands, kidney, heart, and pancreas. In contrast, SCJD cases, free positive transmissions were only observed for four out of the same 13 tissues with no disease transmission resulting from the inoculation of lymphoid tissues, salivary gland, kidney, heart, or pancreas. Interestingly, bioassay of the lymphoid tissues, spleen, cervical lymph node, and tonsil resulted in a disease transmission in only three out of the five sporadic CJD cases. These results support the contention that in MM1 SCJD patients, the presence absence of infectivity in the lymphoid organs is apparently not a determinant driver of the accumulation of infectivity in other categories of peripheral tissues. Mm, I need to pass that again. These results support the contention that in MM1SCJD patients, the presence, absence of infectivity in lymphoid organs is apparently not a determinant driver of the accumulation of infectivity in other categories of peripheral tissues. Um, uh, Damn, my soundboard is 10% louder than my mic. Is that true? Yeah. (laughs) Suck it up. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Uh let's see. Nick, seriously, it was the most frustrating shit I've ever heard. Don't know how you did it. Don't know what that means. Fingernails, chalkboard. What well, is causing the mRNA to target certain tissues? I have seen horses suffer blood, dyspol, amyloidosis, equivalent HP like disease. Cardiovascular events? Are they targeting certain proteins? Um, I don't. I, I would have to know more about um, the, the details there. Um, I've seen horses suffer blood disease, pulmonary amyloidosis. Um, what? I mean, you're saying that's from shedding from humans. I don't know. I mean we'd have to delve into horse physiology as to why they would be susceptible but um we did we, i did a bunch about the species barrier last week why there is a species barrier and how sometimes you're able to overcome it in the prion space um but i i would need to know more uh let's see Dennis Bushnell PhD defined how multiple modalities of biowarfare are deployed against Americans he cited the CCP as partners in HSBC warfare against the US um yeah look i'm at i'm at the point where um countries and states you know they have autonomy to some degree but there's a level that is able to use states as tools for their own goals and i think what we've seen just because of the synchronized um approach and what was underlying that potentially underlying that synchronized approach which is the exposure to this uh the catalyzing epitope towards prions and um something someone was able to make all these countries line up and basically well what are the numbers Thirteen, thirteen and a half billion 13 and a half billion doses Approximately four billion people exposed. Um that's those those are some big numbers. And some some things, <laughs> I can't believe that just, you know, sporadically happened. Uh under most cases where you could you could it's difficult enough to get countries to engage on um other matters. You know take for example where I live right in in Asia right they're, uh, they're super super clean and organized where I am um, but they still beef about um, uh, who owns which little bit of rock sticking out of a water that constitutes part of an island they're, they're always beefing with each other yet somehow somehow across most of the uh, industrialized world there was this mass exposure to the gene transfection technology. China is a different matter. They di- they went a different approach and used their own vaccine. It may be that um, China um, didn't want to do it. We, d- we don't know. All we have are suspects right now. And all we can do is wait and look as the data comes out. And the issue that you have is that there is sustained all-cause mortality. Um, it's primarily manifesting if we take Britain's data as being somewhat robust, as um, cardiac issues, and I would pre- again, the only way you're taking out, the only way you're killing young people is cardiac or cancer, generally. Um, the rest, or many, will then be stuck with uh, the long COVID brain fog type symptoms, and that's, uh, that's a consequence, I would argue, of the buildup of, amyloidogenic peptides we did a paper the other week which showed that amyloidogenic peptides are building up in muscle tissue and that's what's leading to people's um, perceived uh, post-exertional malaise and in those in the muscle tissue what you found was that the um, it was basically the tissue was turning necrotic and um, of course you're going to feel it's gonna feel painful and um out of uh <laughs> you know out of sort you're not gonna you're not gonna be wanting to run those half marathons for charity. Uh let's see. Um sorry, doc, we were talking about the biosafety space, post-vax clearly post-vax, two horses fell apart with undefined blood disease and pulmonary amyloidosis, then developed pneumonia, both died, then three cardiovascular events, deaths in a year went free in 30 years at the facility um they were, they were vaccinated against SARS really okay well i mean <laughs> antidote um we're well, I'm trying to work on it and i think i think the polyphenol approach is the way to go um probably uh i think i i think the um plasmapheresis is the gold standard right now for removing the um amyloid that's present in the blood um how much it removes it from tissues when it's embedded in muscle etc we don't know um, but right now, I would say the best approach is plasma, uh, plasmapheresis, coupled with um, a sort of multi modal um, active, active compound approach to disaggregation sequestering. And I would, I don't think that would cure it, it might be a way of controlling it slowing it down um Okay. So infectivity titer estimates. In order to estimate the infectivity levels in the VCJD MM1SCJD patient tissues, we applied the method described by Arnold. This approach uses both the probability of survival, attack rate at each dilution, and the individual mouse survival time at each dilution. The relationship between the titer of the inoculum and the probability of infection and the length of the survival times were derived from data corresponding to endpoint titration of VCJD and MM1 reference isolate in transgenic bovine and transgenic methionine mice, respectively. A normal distribution for the relationship between dose and survival time was assumed, and the probability of infection versus dose was assumed to follow a logistic regression curve. Using the approach, the infectious titer in the frontal cortex of the four variant CJD patients was estimated to range between 10 to 6.1, 10 to 6.7 infective dose intracranial in transgenic bovine per gram of tissue. The estimated infectivity levels in the secondary lymphoid tissues, spleen and cervical lymph node, were 1 to the 4 log 10 lower Estimated secondary lymphoid tissues were 1 to the four ten lower. Okay, it wasn't as infective. Okay, than in the frontal cortex of the same patient. Infectivity levels in the other character, categories, of peripheral tissues were 2.5 to 6 log 10 lower than in the frontal cortex. Well, anyway, I mean the thing to take away from that figure is uh, there's a whole bunch of tissues that are infective at various uh, at various um attack rates, I guess. Potency. Strikingly, in some of the V C J D affected patients, infectivity levels in heart, kidney, salivary gland, or thyroid were only one to two log ten lower than in the spleen and or cervical lymph node. Interesting. As already stated, the distribution of the prion in the peripheral tissue of the VCJD asymptomatic case was more restricted than in variant CJD affected patients. However, when positive, the peripheral tissues from the asymptomatic patient displayed similar infectivity levels to those observed in the VCJD patients at the clinical stage of the disease. In the MM1 SCJD patients, the estimated infectivity levels in the frontal cortex varied between 5.8 and 10.78 effective dose intracranial, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. infectivity levels in peripheral tissues that scored positive in bioassay were 2.8 to 8 log 10 lower than in the frontal cortex of the same patient. In all five cases, no obvious relationship seemed to exist between the infectivity level in the CNS, neither the distribution and levels of SCJD infective, infectivity in their peripheral tissues. In the SCG, SCJD cases, cases 2, 4, and 5, the lymphoid tissue displayed maximum level of infectivity that were 3 to 3.5 log 10 lower than those observed in the frontal cortex. Strikingly, infectivity levels associated with the same peripheral tissues, such as salivary gland, heart, kidney or bone marrow, could be equivalent or even higher than those measured in lymphoid organs of the same patient. Hmm. What what that says to me is highly unpredictable and, um, again, very, very difficult to um, make a countermeasure against. Right discussion. So following the emergence of variant CJD in the UK in 1996, the presence of abnormal prion protein in lymphoid tissues of affected patients was rapidly identified. This immediately raised major concerns about the risk of its iatrogenic transmission of the disease via contaminated surgical instruments and blood transfusion, and led in many countries to the implementation of specific... I think they missed a word there... Uh, imp- specific legislation, maybe they mean preventing against this risk. Despite a relatively limited number of identified clinical cases, the most recent epidemiological studies indicated that one out of 2,000 people in the UK could carry the variant CJD agent as judged by the presence of abnormal prion protein detected by immunohistochemistry in lymphoid follicles in the appendix. That's the last paper that I read. And that the exposure period to BSE agent in the UK could have largely exceeded the period initially considered to be at risk. Over the 25 years since the emergence of variant CJD, only five instances that are a likely consequence of iatrogenic VCJD transmission have come to light. All in the UK and all associated with blood and blood products. No cases of variant CJD due to I- iatrogenic transmission by medical or surgical procedures have been identified, indicating that the preventive measures implemented to mitigate its transmission were effective. The overall picture of the distribution and levels of prion infectivity in the tissues of both vCJD-affected and asymptomatic patients that we here report confirmed the numerous hypotheses and the mosaic of experimental data that were used to design the infection control measures that were successful in limiting iatrogenic variant CJD transmissions. These results also reinforce the fact that variant CJD transmission risks have not disappeared since each asymptomatic variant CJD infected individual in a human population will continue to represent a potential source of disease transmission. And so this is where you sort of walk into the chronic wasting disease Um, space as well. Peripheral tissue infectivity in sporadic CJD. Seminal transmission experiments of peripheral tissues from SCJD cases in primate models failed to detect infectivity in a large selection of peripheral tissues, body fluids, and excretions, except in one liver example. Give me that. Um, abnormal PRP immunodetection techniques, western blot and immunohistochemistry also failed to reveal the presence of prion in the peripheral tissues of sporadic CJD patients. These findings led to the generally accepted view that prion infectivity in the sporadic CJD remains mostly confined to the CNS. In 2003, improved western blot protocols for PRP res immunodetection revealed the presence of prion in the spleen 10 positive out of 28 cases and or skeletal muscle. 8 positive out of 32 cases. More recently, transmission studies of sporadic CJD tissues in human PRP expressing transgenic mice using plasma and bone marrow samples and in vitro amplification of prions in a small number of sporadic CJD peripheral tissues. Skin kidney, lung, and adrenal gland provided further evidence to the view that prions can accumulate in the peripheral tissues of sporadic CJD-affected patients. The results that we here report provide unequivocal and definitive evidence of the widespread distribution of the prion infectivity in the peripheral tissues in uh, methionine-methionine sporadic CJD patients. Since our study was restricted to MM1 SCJD cases, the commonest SCJD subtype, additional investigations will be necessary to formally establish the consistent accumulation of prions in peripheral tissues also occurs in patients with other PRMP genotypes, methionine valine, valine valine, and or affected with other sporadic CJD prion strains presence of abnormal PRP in the spleen and the skeletal muscle and infectivity in bone marrow already identified in methionine valine and valine valine 2 sporadic CJD patients indicates this phenomenon is unlikely to be limited to methionine-methionine 1 CJD cases. So the variability in sporadic CJD patients. The nature of peripheral tissues that accumulated infectivity in sporadic variant CJD cases were relatively similar. While the patterns of prion distribution and the infectivity levels observed in the peripheral tissues were relatively homogeneous in the variant CJD cases, particularly in lymphoid tissues, a high degree of variability was observed across the sporadic CJD cases. Brain vacuolar lesion profiling and PRP res- Western blot typing confirmed that the same prion strain was present in the brain and the peripheral tissues of all the sporadic CJD affected patients. This rules out the hypothesis that prion strains or differences between individuals or tissues from the same individual could be responsible for the observed variability. Mm. Okay. So the comparison of prion distribution pattern in sporadic CJD case 2, 20 months clinical phase duration, and sporadic CJD cases 1, 3, 4, and 5, patients 1 to 4 months clinical phase duration, might suggest that at first glance, a longer clinical phase duration is likely to be associated with a more widespread distribution of prions in the body tissues. However, even if our study represents an unprecedented effort for characterizing CJD agent distribution patterns in the organs of affected patients, the number of sporadic CJD cases that we investigated is too limited to draw definitive conclusions. Characterization of a larger cohort of sporadic CJD patients will be necessary to establish the relationship that might exist between the distribution and or infectivity levels in the peripheral tissues, and sporadic CJD patient age, a clinical onset, and the duration of the clinical phase of the illness. So iatrogenic transmission of CJD. Several hundred cases of iatrogenic CJD transmission have been reported worldwide, the vast majority of which are likely to represent transmissions from sporadic CJD patients. The principal sources of these outbreaks were intramuscular injections with contaminated human pituitary derived hormone, 226 cases, and the implantation of duromatographs derived from human cadavers with undiagnosed. SCJD infections. A small number of cases were apparently also caused by neurosurgery using contaminated neurosurgical instruments and EEG electrodes, transplantation of corneal grass and intramuscular injections with human human pituitary derived gonadotrophic hormone. These cases dramatically illustrate the high resistance of CJD prions to standard medical decontamination procedures and the particular abilities to bind to steel surgical instruments. Again, go and see the streams I've done about um, prions um, basically able to survive on uh, basically all materials except brass and um, deliver infective doses through contact. Survival times in the individuals who are exposed to SCJD The agents by the peripheral route can be extremely long and variable. For instance, in patients that received intramuscular injections of the contaminated human pituitary derived hormone, the onset of clinical signs and symptoms of iatrogenic CJD could be observed between 4 and 42 years after the treatment. In a context where SCJD infectivity is apparently limited to the CNS, medical and surgical procedures responsible for iatrogenic transmission of the disease remain relatively limited. Overall risks of sporadic CJD, iatrogenic transmission are now considered to be remote since most of the established routes of transmission are avoided, I think they meant to stay there, e.g. the use of human pituitary-derived hormone and human geromida grafts. A detection of low levels of sporadic CJD infectivity in non-CNS tissue such as lung, heart, muscle, or even salivary gland was unexpected. We next reviewed the medical histories for the SCJD patients that we studied, which revealed surgical procedures and or invasive medical examinations, polypectomy under colonoscopy, only a few years before the clinical cases in these disease patients. (laughs) Don't don't go for those uh, colonoscopies. Don't give you CJD. So, some years ago, the presence of infectivity in the plasma and the detection of abnormal prion protein in the urine of sporadic CJD patients raised concerns about the risk of sporadic CJD transmission by blood transfusion and plasma urine-derived medical products. The detection in our study of infectivity in the bone marrow and kidney of sporadic CJD patients further reinforces these concerns." Prion titers as measured by intracerebral inoculation in PRP overexpression transgenic mice models can provide us with estimates of the relative infectivity levels present in the CNS and peripheral tissues of affected patients. This approach conforms to the current gold standard for quantification of prions. However, in a context where the amount of infectivity that would be necessary to transmit disease to another human remains unknown, the infectivity titer estimates was established following intracerebral inoculation in a reporter animal model, cannot be used to directly infer transmission risk to patients. Other factors, including the various potential exposure routes, subcutaneous, intramuscular, etc., and the decontamination sterilization methodologies used on the surgical instruments materials involved, will also influence the transmission risk analysis. In many industrialized countries, reliable CJD passive surveillance programs have been established for decades. The apparently stable and low prevalence of SCJD cases in these countries brings some reassurance about the low numbers of iatrogenic CJD cases in this century, perhaps reflecting the variable and lower prion titers detected in the non-CNS tissues in this study. Um, That's potentially all changed (laughs) in the last couple of years. Uh, where were we? Um, guidelines are in place to mitigate and control the risk of iatrogenic transmission of CJD in a healthcare setting. The procedures for cleaning and decontamination of surgical instruments and/or medical equipment now includes an assessment of their potential contamination by prions. However, prions are notoriously resistant to physicochemical treatments and decontamination process that would be efficient on these agents remain generally inapplicable to some surgical and medical equipment, resulting in recommendations to destroy neurosurgical instruments that have been used on the brain of a patient with definitive or probable CJD. Furthermore, the presence of dementia or an evolving neurodegenerative disorder in a patient undergoing medical or surgical procedures triggers the use of specific protocols designed to prevent the risk of potential transmission of CJD from the equipment used, surgical tools, endoscopes, etc. The use of cells, tissues, organs and body fluids from these groups of patients for therapeutic purposes, blood donations, tissues, grafts, etc. is also restricted. When considering the iat the risk of iatrogenic transmission of prion agents from cjd patients one fundamental question is how early before the occurrence of clinical signs and symptoms is prion infectivity likely to be present in peripheral solid tissues blood and urine and this this gets to the shedding issue right that um it's pretty it's pretty consistent now that they can find the peptide fragments from the spike protein that potentially are um, amyloidogenic, potentially holding the, or, or exposing uh, an individual or the environment to um, prion catalyzing agents. And the, you know, I, I guess the question is, what's the, well, so I guess your attack rate is a, a good way of thinking about it, right? So, um, once once you get the exposure, and you know it's 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 nice in this manuscript that they're talking about um, how uh, important it was in terms in terms of the attack rate, where the exposure had been past immune barriers. So, in terms of a blood transfusion from a Um, unknown carrier at that time into a recipient and then that person then developing um, the prion um, phenotype and in this instance what do we have well in the vaccination you have a again the lipid nanoparticle we know it goes to all organs and then um, what is the conversion rate if it's there of um, the amyloidogenic, seeding epitope to the conversion of the prion protein into the scrapie form. And we don't know. Um, again, the fact that Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, neurodegenerative disorders, made up the bulk of all-cause mortality. And we see that um implicated in the fact that we have um, a drop-off. So we have the pull-forward effect very, very pronounced because there were so many that were taken out. And this was during COVID. This was a consequence of the virus as well. It's gone down. It's now rebounding back up, and we have to see what the levels are if they go and exceed. Um, what we should predict would be the normal um, baseline um, in this condi- uh, in this epidemiology and right now i would say that's probably one of the best um indicators that we would have is what what are going to be the rates of diagnosed um dementia in terms of prion attack at the brain in terms of cancers and heart attack or blood disorders uh, etc um i don't i don't th- i just don't think it's that much on their radar you can see that they're finding it in peripheral tissues here and this is a big finding in the field and this paper is 2021 so it would it would take time for this information to sort of filter through and um, how many how many people who are part of that cohort of sustained excess all-cause death this mechanism is responsible and the, the fact that it's occurring far out from the exposure to the other um, agents within the vaccines, for example, so the lipid nanoparticle or whatever other excipients they've put in there, again, to me, would point to um, this catalyzing process being um, a play. Um it's interesting they didn't find much in the testes. Um, again, I, I don't think we have uh, any sort of close match right now with respect to what has happened. The the deer, I guess, are uh, uh, where we should pay attention as well. What's the distribution in their tissue, et cetera. Um, um let's see turquoise he says wtyl chat is not working well ah, it was working i did i did have it working. you see uh, i don't know why it's um sketchy like that i, I need to i need to <laughs> like i say it's constant battle and suddenly i'm i'm taking more onto my plate right now um with respect to organizing around and putting that vaccine that i have available uh, i'm going i'm going to light those uh i'm going to light those brains up see what we get and um, i don't know i don't know how tricky the immunohistochemistry is for prions i have to presume it's just like any other so um it's something i've done plenty of well <laughs> Um let's see. So all the samples that we used to establish infectivity levels in tissues were collected post mortem SCJD V C J D patients at the terminal stage of the disease. There is clear evidence for the presence of infectivity in the blood and peripheral tissues years before the clinical onset of variant CJD in asymptomatic infected patients. However, it is uncertain that the infectivity levels and the distribution in the postmodern peripheral tissues of sporadic and variant CJD patients reflect the situation that could be observed at a preclinical or early clinical stage in the same patients. In the absence of tissue samples collected from asymptomatic scjd patients we are totally lacking in data therefore trying to elaborate further on this question would be totally speculative yeah um in the current environment though uh we need to be putting forward as many um hypotheses as possible and um if speculation <laughs> look the the what the or, or the or the concern from uh uh dr hug yesterday which is it's not good public health to basically be causing sort of panic states in people generally on on this i would agree um but in the case where there's been such what i like to say every by every metric you could categorize it as an assault or attack um i think um that question has to be asked and um it has to be put forward as a as a discussion point you can't just skirt around it because you're um you're concerned about the feels of some people we need to know um that's my take um are you doing rat experiments in the office none of your business <laughs> but i will be doing them because <laughs> no one else is doing them no one else is doing them um yeah so we did a bit about being speculative in several forms of genetic prion disease for example those associated with the e200 kpr MP mutation the clinical disease manifestations the resistive Western blot signature and tissue resistive distributions are similar to that in sporadic CJd Uh, Despite the ethical issues it may raise, the longitudinal collection of blood samples and body fluids for research purposes in consenting patients belonging to families affected by these genetic forms of prion diseases with confirmed mutations of the PRMP gene may represent the only possibility to address this question. Um, Yeah, That's changed now. If that catalytic potential is there and it does (laughs) does what we think it might be doing, um, you're going to be overwhelmed with... um, Potential samples. Uh, <laughs> in conclusion, the systematic surveillance of CJD and related epidemiological studies in many countries confirm the decline of cases of iatrogenic CJD due to recognised medical or surgical procedures. Yet, yeah, that potentially just got turned on its head, such as human dermatograph surgery or treatment with human pituitary derived growth hormone. However, they do not exclude the possibility that iatrogenic transmission could at least partly account for some sporadic CJD cases observed in the population, particularly in localized geographic regions with evidence of CJD case clusters. It's, it's funny to me how they um, all of these um, pre, very prion specific papers, they never talk about these catalyzing epitopes from viruses. It's striking to me. And it, it's not like it's not in the literature, right? You can, well, there's the paper, Prions and Viruses, a Vicious Liaison um, from the Nystrom Lab that lays out very eloquently the, the risks and, or, or the potential interactions and risks, I should say. But th- these um, sweeping papers for um legislation and, um, uh, surveillance system, uh, processes, etc., are, um, yeah, they, they, the, the lack of discussion in that space is concerned to me. And again, I don't know how much this is just, you get this hyper specialization and then, because I, I did it right it's not um, although I had to be aware of potential causes for the um, idiopathic causes of neurodegeneration and I I knew viruses were on the radar in that respect I didn't spend my time reading all those molecular biology papers in that space I was involved in just a different aspect and there's enough work required in that in the space I was that you know I was reliant on passing a poster that would catch my eye uh, a manuscript that would pop up in any of the alerts I would have or um, people that would come and give lectures and you know in 20 years the amount of people giving lectures was small so um Yeah, I don't know. I wish I wish I could solve the WTYL issue. I mean, I can keep restarting the browser, but it's irritating um to do that. All right. Um Um, yeah, I think I think I'm um, just about done. Let me just catch up with the chat. Um, when we talk down to AI programs, slowly, loud, etc., like they're low IQ. do they get offended? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're scheming. Eye legend says sent ten dollars. Thank you, thank you. Every every little bit helps. And yeah. like I say, the the fact is, the the more I take on outside of. Doing this paper reading and the whatever the entertainment part of what it is I do, busting, uh, busting cranks, um, commentary, etc. Um, th- the harder it's going to be to um, you know, raise raise the money. I'm not asking for um, donations for experiments right now. I've got arrangements to at least get the initial um, setup covered, but yeah, it's a. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I'm just I feel compelled to do it because I don't see anybody else doing it, and the the, the lack of activity in the academic space bothers me right now. Um, with respect to this, it's and you know I can I can only ap- approach the problem in a coarse manner I don't have all the molecular tools available like I would like access to that cyclic amplification of um prions but I don't have it I'm gonna have to hope that immunohistochemistry um gives us an answer I hope that answer is negative and um just uh just hope that i don't know what, what something else has to explain um all the excess deaths and the um ideation around um have these people done this in a nefarious manner because of their their own um world view and etc you you there's too many of you lick spittles um they can't get to uh they can't get to the ski slopes without uh, tripping over uh Untermensch. It's uh, <laughs> it's irritating. All right, so let's see. Um LFG doc. I don't know what that means. Um is smart dust already in use on the population? Was COVID-19 an attempted experimental next step? The Last American vagabond is gonna discuss this in 20 minutes. So again, Tranny Vagabond is doing the stupid thing right and he's he's pushed no viruses now he's pushing smart dust etc when we have you know you've got to go where the evidence points and the molecular biology points at preon catalyzing epitopes and inflammatory lipid nanoparticles. Um, talking about smart dust at this point doesn't help. You're just adding on um, complexity to an already difficult set of um, variables uh, <laughs> that we need to try and test to get an answer. Uh, so... Um, uh, okay. Um, remember that German bodybuilder, young guy that still died after plasmapheresis post jab? Yes, actually, I do remember that guy. Yeah. Um, joe lindler was his name yeah that's a that's a good example to build up but the simple fact is i don't i don't know what the best thing that i've seen and the one that makes um the best sense in terms of evidentiary approaches because that's where that's where we see a lot of the fingerprint of the pathology is um in, in the blood the microclots and the amyloids there but as i said earlier we don't know if that's really pulling the amyloids if it's got embedded into tissues and we know it's embedding into tissues now because we can find the amyloids in the muscle of the people um, suffering with post-exertional malaise um joe lindler linda death mentioned about testosterone (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't think it was roids that did it but (laughs) Um, better known as Joe on social media was a bodybuilder born in Bavaria he was also a model became one of the most famous German fitness influencers Yeah, yeah yeah death Shortly after his partner's publication, fellow bodybuilder Noel Diesel confirmed his death. What? He was a homeowner? After which, Joe's Thai girlfriend, Nisha, also posted a series of pictures on Instagram citing his true cause of death, an aneurysm. His aunt had also died from an aneurysm, according to his girlfriend's statements. He felt pain in his neck for several days, but they did not realize it could be something life-threatening. In the interview, Linda explains, I did a blood cleanse twice. I did plasmapheresis, which removes heavy metals and all that stuff. He decided to undergo this blood cleanse after receiving the result of his blood test back from his doctor, during which particles were discovered in his blood. His doctor recommended plasmapheresis as a way to improve his blood counts presence of microclots detected by a D-dimer test after he had received four vaccinations had sparked a conspiracy theory among his fans as to whether vaccination was partly to blame for his death. After his death was announced, Dwayne Rock Johnson and Jason Durello also offered condolences. He was cremated in Thailand and some of the ashes were buried in the family grave Native Kim. Um, well, I mean, why, why are the uh, vaccines being considered a, a conspiracy theory here? Again, um, if he's got a, um, these amyloidogenic clots building up in his blood, um, then, you know, (laughs) it's something, it's something to, uh, think about and it's not like they haven't been demonstrated. Um, shooting Dennis Rancor full of holes. Um shooting his mouth full of holes let's see Doc was it you or Tess pointing out we use human bio waste on the midwest cornfields fertilizing season was correlated with SARS 2 outbreak in white tailed deer Um, I don't know Um, I mean I've spoken about it before but (laughs) Um, bio waste being put on um, anywhere near the food chain is um, a disastrous move Infinite density says basically you could say that China appears to have backed out of this depopulation agenda and instead wishes to populate itself. Maybe. Looks to me like the CCP allowed USA to do the research in China. Spied on them, figured out what's going on, sabotaged the research by releasing it, and banned the Western vax from operating internally. Yeah. Um, China sits high up on the list of suspects right now. Um, And it said simple fact is we can't do anything about it. Your job, your job, Lix Bill, is to uh survive right now for as long as possible. And the the way out of what is a potential um evolutionary um bottleneck at this um moment is um make it possible for as much adaptation to emerge in the population. That means lots of children and um the and the attempt to try to slow down any of these um, pathological mechanisms. Um, but, you know, <laughs> four vaccinations and two plasmapheresis and uh, you can still get taken out. I mean, it's... <laughs> Linda suffered from rippling muscle disease, a rare autosomal dominant disorder. There is no official treatment, especially for people with mild and asymptomatic disorder. Of course. I don't know what rippling muscle disease is. What's that? Um. rippling muscle disease is a rare neuromuscular disorder characterized by wave-like muscle contractions muscle stiffness muscle hypertrophy usually with elevated serum creatine kinase levels in blood Mm. interesting never heard of it before um see someone else said that during our live it says he saw white particles i believe um yeah i look it's not it's not contentious to say that they're finding amyloidogenic um clots in people that's um that's a, de- a definition of a, a fundamental core of the pathology here um and again, you're going to have some people just be more sensitive than others right now. And again, the, the bigger bigger question, and again, all we can do is keep aggregating data, keep working through it, and then see if we start seeing data points that would indicate you know, a worst case scenario, or if we're going to um, sort of converge back to a, a stable mean. Um, I'm looking very, very closely at birth rates right now um, after what we've seen from Sweden you don't you don't just get 50% drops in births sorry that doesn't happen <laughs> not not in stable industrialized countries um especially with sort of strong uh you know universal healthcare something had to happen to do that anyway um i'm about done um i think uh, I've still got a bit more stuff to do with, uh, before Daniel gets here. Um, so I'm not sure I've got to go to Tokyo as well. So let's see. I could maybe try, I could, if I have the energy, et cetera, I might stream tonight. If not, mm, possibly Thursday will be the next time that I stream. And, um, yeah, I will be, um, I'll be online there. And I I presume, I think probably, oh, I don't know. I don't know what Daniel's plans are right now, but he may be, he may still be here. So maybe we'll do a stream then. All right. Um, let me just see, uh, if anyone is not ZK26R today. Um uh, someone someone said they don't know ten bucks. Uh i Legend, thank you very much. Um so um, oh, I've had a few today. Uh let's see, i want to say thank you to Vex, Cheryl, thank you very much. Uh, VM, uh Square Root, uh Jeremy and uh, Sally. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep the doc in the game. Uh, we'll keep analyzing this data and um, <laughs> keep pouncing on, uh, on on scumbags like uh, crowdsource the truth. And uh, don't forget, folks, uh, that fucker is, is literally threatening Charles with legal action because we bust up his influenza grift right now. So uh, please take your time to visit his timeline on Twitter and. Uh... <laughs> unleash all right um and if you wish to make memes i'll happily post them all right i will see you guys later or in the next stream i'm going to be busy very busy and um take care god bless and uh yeah bye-bye
1: you don't know how angry i am you do, i like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off after reading that and all on, I will be arrested for no taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these cappers. I will fucking kill each fucking capper. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually say.
0: Fuck these cappers. No fucking... Vaccine or M.I.A. or ever turn through my fucking blood blood. L- Never!
1: Grows. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking babies. Fuck these
0: motherfuckers. All that might be, guys. It's exactly 5,000 years. Let up! Let up! Let up! Let up! Make you